you know, I sit down with each one of them and I'm like, what's your goals for this year? And we work it out. So my one stylist came to me and said, my goal is $1,000 a day. I want to be bringing in $1,000 a day. I said, okay, so let's break down how you're going to get there. Graduating high school, you know, I'm, I'm just calling my old teachers to tell them thank you. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Shop Talk podcast brought to you by 124Go. I'm your co-host, Chris Suleme, and as usual, sitting across the Zoom from my great friend, Mr. John Palmieri. And I hate to sound so cliche, but man, are we juiced up about today's conversation. I mean, Literally juiced. Yes, yes. Yeah. We're both highly caffeinated. John's having <laughs> And we have an awesome guest today. So first of all, joining us today is Miss Lindsay Young. So welcome, Lindsay. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you. And we were just talking in, in pre-warm-up conversation about the relevancy, I think, and the timeliness of this conversation. And so mm-hmm. you might have heard of Lindsay. Lindsay actually gets around. She's an educator. But like many of you, She's a living, breathing representation, in my mind, of the salon industry and possibly a, a vast majority of salon industry folks. She a, was a very successful stylist behind the chair and grew into, I want this to be a little bit more, and opened a salon and has been growing a tight and yet highly effective team. And in our warm-up, we were sort of discussing the relevancy of the pivot that a lot of salons have had to do during maybe possibly the most challenging year that we've ever walked through as a world, much less an industry. And so Lindsay is the owner of Luna Salon in Tallahassee, Florida. Um, And she is also a masters of balayage, a mob educator, if you will. And, um, since John and I are both Italian, we always thought of the mob as something a little bit different, you know, that our uncles belong to. But, um, <laughs> but now there's uh, a hair mob and, and they've been out teaching balayage to thousands and thousands and thousands of hair uh, professionals around the country. So lots of different ways we can go in this conversation. But we met through a, a mutual friend of ours, which is Oscar Valencia, found out we have a couple of mutual friends and Oscar um, is a great friend of the podcast. He's a coach in the industry and um, he uh, put us together recently. And so we're super excited about that. So I wanted to give him a shout out for this introduction. So anyway, John, I know there's a lot of different ways we can go here. Um, why don't you take us out? Um, what I want to know is, and it's a place we always kind of start, is I want to know how Lindsay got into the hair business. I always loved being in the salon and getting my hair done was my favorite thing. You know, growing up, I worked as a receptionist in a salon just because I loved it, loved the atmosphere through in high school for a short time. Um, and But I always thought I was going to be a teacher, like an elementary school teacher or a child life therapist. Um, I didn't really put a whole lot of thought into actually doing hair for a living, but College came, I took classes, my friends had to basically push me through the doors, I hated it. Um, And I think the hair school was kind of always just on my mind. So, you know, one day I was talking to my parents and I said, you know, I really wanna do this. And they're like, well, we really want you to finish college. And I'm like, well, I can always go back if I hate it. So they agreed. Um, I went to an awesome small private school in Tallahassee, they're now much bigger, but at the time they were small and I had five people Mm-hmm. in my class. So I got an amazing education and had a job right out um, of school. And I just, I found that I loved it. And right from the get-go was just going to put everything into learning as much as I could. What was it about the industry that just captured your attention and said, you know, this is where I belong? Well, um, I don't know. I think I finally was interested in something and wanted to learn as much as I could. Mm -hmm. So it was different from college where I could have cared less. Like I said, my friends had to push me through a door. I had no interest And right from day one of hair school. I just wanted to keep learning and I didn't mind studying and I enjoyed, I just enjoyed all of it. Um, The people coming into the school to have their hair done. You know, I really just, I loved every aspect of it. 
really. And when I started doing hair in the salon, I went to my first hair show at Premier Orlando, I think the month after I graduated. And that just, you know, just opens your eyes to every possibility that the industry has to offer. And that was the day I was like, oh my God, I want to be on stage one day. Um, I've never been one to talk in front of people, but I grew up dancing very competitively. So I was used to be on a stage. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of drew me into, and um, yeah, that kind of was like, month number one of doing hair I have a goal <laughs> that's great yes well um, that first job tell us about it so you graduate from school you end up you said you got a job pretty much right away I did there was a salon in town who had called the school asking for you know their best person and they were given my name and um, I started off not really assisting a little bit while I waited to get my license. I think I had a couple months in between graduating and getting licensed. So I sat there and I just sat all day long in a chair next to the owner and tried to absorb as much as I could. Um, but I was really fortunate because the salon that I started working at only had three stylists and they were all fully booked. So they had no one to take any of the overflow. So I got everybody. Um, and also the owner was spending more time kind of away from the chair. And so she needed someone for her clients as well. So it really worked out. I was made a manager within six months and I think I was 21 years old, wow. 22. Um, but again, I was taking every class I could. I was going to Paul Mitchell hair camps, like anything I could find. So I think that earned her respect there. I mean, I was not ready at all, but I did it. Yeah. <laughs> And um, yeah, it was a great first couple years. In that role as a manager, you know, and being in that salon, if you had to pick one or two things that were really grabbed your attention and from a learning aspect, like, man, you know, that experience gave me this or that experience gave me that, what would those be? I think that I learned a lot on inventory. Yeah. <laughs> and firing people. I never got to be the one to hire, but I got to be the one to let people go. And that was horrible. That was horrible. That was the worst part yeah. of anything management or ownership wise. But um, I think I just learned a lot about people mm -hmm. in that time. And I think that that's such a huge, huge part of what we do. So right. I think that made me grow and mature just dealing with humans. Two years in, you opened your own salon, right? Um, well, I went to booth rental after two years. Got it. Um, and from there, I made a great group of friends, a couple of them that I had gone to hair school with, since there's five of us, we were very close. And we did, after about a year or so of just running our own chairs, decided to open a salon together, um, which we did. And mm -hmm. then as partners, and that's, you know, partnerships sometimes don't quite work out. They're hard. Um, yeah. <laughs> they are very hard. So we did very well for a couple years once we did open our salon. Um, but that is actually when I started really getting into wanting to get into education and being an educator. So I ended up stepping away from that part. It's amazing how people can excel when you put them in the right situation, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so now here you are at 21 and you're managing people, if you will, right? And yes. it sounds like there were some you know, other duties that came along with it. What was your mind frame as a 21 year old? Like, was that drive, is that a, born drive and do you see that type of drive in people I don't know in that age bracket as often now or I mean yeah I think that you know I, that's a good question I think with everything I did growing up whether a dance group I was in or whatever like group I joined it always seemed to be I, I don't know how to say this correctly like kind of like the best like we always won this or we won that and I'm not used to losing <laughs> so not succeeding was not an option what, uh, what would you name that characteristic I mean uh, I you know I that's a good question I don't know I just always I don't know like I'm a go-getter dream follower I do I I'm always trying to kind of one-up myself mm -hmm. I guess you would say, you know, it's like, well, I made this now, what can I do? I don't know what the name for that is. <laughs> mm -hmm. Ambition, drive. Ambition, yeah. I guess, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did that come from anywhere other, you know, a mentor or is that, or is it just the way you were? I think of... probably my parents growing up, honestly, my mom 
um, worked all the time. My dad had his own business and I probably, you know, if I think about it, saw them and their work ethic and how hard they always worked. Where did you start your education career? So I started with scruples. Um, I started, I went to a hair a color class, like a demonstration and was so impressed with their color. So I brought it in, we took a class on it. Um, I absolutely loved it. That was in 2003 maybe, and I still use it today. Um, I just, I absolutely loved it. And after about a year or so of just kind of using it and working with it, I heard about their education program and this is with the original owners, Mia and Tracy, and they had an amazing program for bringing you know, new people on. So during a hair show, I reached out to the regional manager and was like, I really want to talk to you. Like, I love this line. You know, I've been using it for a couple of years. I feel like I know it backwards and forwards. You know, how do you become an educator? And he really kind of took me under his wing a little bit and was like, here's what we're going to do. And I'm going to send you to Minneapolis. I mean, you know, become an educator, everything's out of your own pocket. But they really gave me the shot, you know, to go there, do the educator training, um, and then start with shadowing and doing classes. They're such an amazing smaller company that I feel like it was nice to be able to grow into like a bigger fish in a small pond rather than trying to, you know, break into some of these enormous, you know, corporate like situations where that would be really hard. So it was really nice to find this company that's family owned and, you know, have them really be a part of you growing. So I guess they got to all mentor me. Mm -hmm. I got it, you know, all the way around. Salon partnership. I'm assuming that that kind of transitioned into something else. What was that transition? So for me, it was getting out of salon ownership. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to be able to travel and educate and I was doing it most weekends. So that didn't leave time for me to be an active salon owner with my partners. And I felt like, you know, they were always needing things. And I was like, I'm not going to be here. So it was time to choose one. Mm -hmm. And at that time I was choosing to educate. I just really loved it. And that's where my heart was yeah, at that time. So instead of ownership, I stayed at the salon. I just rented a chair mm -hmm. there. Um, as well. And one of the benefits that I always felt that you get being an educator is you get to go into other people's salons mm -hmm. and take a look and go, that's an awesome idea. Yeah. Stay away from that. I wouldn't want to work here. And I know what I think I learned from that experience, but I'm curious what you learned going into all these other salons and seeing all these other ways of being and doing. Yeah. So I, especially like in my hometown, but I guess everywhere I went, I was going mostly into booth rent salons and it was a lot of stylists leaving commission to start their own booth rent or a group of friends going and renting, you know, rooms in a place and starting their own booth rent place. And, you know, I was really curious um, as to why. So what I heard a lot of was reasons why they were leaving their commission salons and going booth rent. So now as a salon owner of a commission salon, I, you know, took everything that I heard from them. Um, and I really learned a lot of what, you know, stylists are really looking for, for where they're working and mm -hmm. what they're missing, what they're lacking, what they didn't like, but what they need. Um, so I got, you know, a lot from that, which kind of maybe started sparking the desire. Um, but I was also trained with scruples to teach their um, salon business course. Mm -hmm. So it's nothing that I, you know, made up or had anything to do with, but they had the course and they needed people to be able to present it. So I was trained in this business building course. Mm -hmm. And what I slowly realized was I wasn't able to utilize any of the things I was teaching other people. Meaning, you know? Meaning um, structure, things like you guys coach on, mm -hmm. numbers and what works and how to sell retail and you know just all the different things that keep salons going or how you can improve your numbers. And right. I was preaching it, but not being able to use it you know, in my booth rent situation. You know, I want to talk a little bit because I think that for salon owners who are employee based and not booth renters, you know, you said you had a, um, the ability to have conversations with people about why they made that, that journey. So for those 
you know, salon owners out there who want to know why, what did you mm-hmm. learn? Um, it was mainly all about schedule and yeah. free time and then money. Mm-hmm. I mean, those were basically, I mean, it could get, you know, a little bit down to the decor. They didn't like sure. changed and things like that, but mainly it was, they want to control of their schedule and take time off when they needed to. Mm-hmm. And they felt like they could make more money in booth rent. You know, freedom and flexibility is something that we hear a lot of and in and, and our own internal company. I mean, sure. John's done an amazing job with the managers kind of tr- addressing the same, the same exact thing. And the, the other part and pieces in our conversation a few days ago where we were talking about podcasting, I noticed that you working on a model that during these times does continue to take those things into consideration. Yes. How did you do things differently with that knowledge when you, when you started to implement your own salon space and well, I mean, I honestly didn't have to do that much different. Um, I have it struct- structurally set up different now than we did before, but we really had a very good thing going. I can't say that it was not successful. Um, mm-hmm. We were doing well. I just was going a different direction at the time. So I think I learned a lot of very good things actually from the first one, but I also learned that I needed to do it all on my own because I needed to be able to follow through with ideas I have and not check with three other people to make sure we all agreed. Right. So I did know when I opened, you know, a lot of people asked me, do you want a partner? Do you want to take it? I was like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> nope. I need to do this on my own. I want to be able to have all the influence. Mm-hmm. But the pay structure now, or I guess I can't say pay structure, but the structure I have set up of stylists and assistants now is definitely different. So, you know, I got a couple of questions here that all kind of feed into each other. The first one I want to ask is you're an employee-based salon, not a booth rental, correct? Right. Yes. So from somebody who was a booth renter and you had heard these stories about people were leaving employee-based and moved to booth rental, but you still decided that you were going to do employee-based. Talk about that. Like, why was that important? Why did you, you know, what was the, some of the things about making that decision? And I will say I have two stylists that used to be booth renters and came and worked commission because they saw the advantage. And I think that, you know, even just running the numbers when you, you know, run the numbers as a booth runner and you realize, you you know, you're not making hundred percent. That's not a thing. Um, And how much money it really costs to have your own business. You know, I knew from a stylist perspective, if they could kind of see the numbers and jot it down, then commission wouldn't be something that they'd be like, Oh, I'd never do that. You know, But for me as an owner, I mean, control is a part of it. You know, I do get mm-hmm. control what our culture is and what the environment is and who I'm there with every day. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, with booth rent, you just don't get that same thing. I wanted the customers to have a certain level of experience coming in and everything to have structure. I'm, I like structure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in order to have that commission was really the only way, you know, to go. Right. How did you address the flexibility issue first off? Well, um, flexibility wise comes with where they are at with what like money wise that they bring in. Mm -hmm. So at a certain level, they're getting a lot of flexibility. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't mind if they stopped working Saturdays, if their numbers are the same Tuesday through Friday or every other Saturday at a point. It's more to me on the goals that they're meeting and that they're making them. If they can make it in three days instead of five, Fantastic. Yeah, awesome. You know, so they have flexibility with that, you know, finally able to do paid vacation and things like that, which is nice. But I think the structure I have as far as making money is what's kind of different. All right. So let's talk about that. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if it's okay to talk like some numbers, but so I have. We love the numbers. Okay. In fact, if you're not careful, I'm going to start okay. creating an Excel spreadsheet in just a minute. So and I, I just wrote down four numbers just, just for the fun of <laughs> I have numbers written down. So I have nine chairs at my salon. And of course, my original business plan shows nine chairs being full, maybe eight with one assistant. You know, Chris, one of the things we talk about is we, you know, have this level system within our salons, right? We have our newer staff who've got, you know, a lower price point and some of our senior staff, they have a higher price point. You know, I'm thinking the same thing is true of our retail selections. Well, it's true. I mean, we try to 
brand ourselves in a way where all levels of guests who come into the salon, whether they prefer to spend more, have a bigger hair care budget, right. or they have a lesser of a hair care budget, that mm. we're always trying to find a way to suit all of their needs. Yeah. One of the things that's been really obvious coming to us is that nowadays more and more and more people are trying to find a way to not only have a great relationship with their partner brands, but to augment their own personal brand. And so we recently ran into a great solution for this. Yeah, the Genesis brand has been something that we've been, you know, got our hands on and been playing with here at the home office and some of our stylists have been playing with it. And it's really been a great fun experience. Yeah. A nice product. Really nice. A hundred percent. So what Genesis is is actually a private labeling company started by guys that have been in the industry for years. It's mm -hmm. a family owned brand in which you have the opportunity to take a product, a high-end premium product, and put your own brand logo on that. What do you think the benefits of that are, John? Well, the benefits are, you know, immense in that, you know, first of all, this company will help you design and market your product. You know, the second thing about the Genesis brand that we like is that there's not a whole lot of SKUs here. You I mean, yeah. there's only like 12 products, which yeah. is great. You know, and because of that, it's not a huge buy-in. You're not having to spend $20,000 to, you know, pick up the product and add it to your salon. But, you know, we love our brand partners. We love Love the people that have supported us and helped us grow our salons. Hundred percent. And at the same time, how do we reach this other little market? Right. How do we reach these other people that you know are still looking for a quality product? You know, and in that, grow our company and our brand and who we are. Totally. Yeah, branding has definitely become the thing. So hey, listen, if you're wanting to join the movement of private label branding, it's if it's something that you've been interested in, but just not sure how to find it. Yeah, contact these folks, they're yeah. amazing. Yep, Genesis Private Label. We've got the link in our description below. And if you use our link, you actually get 50% off of the cost of the sample kit. So they'll send you a sample kit, click the link below, you save 50% off of that. You get to try the product out, take a look at the packaging and kind of fantasize and imagine what your logo would look like on the Genesis private label packaging. Check them out. Listen, they promised to build your brand, not theirs. You can see it and really feel it in everything that they do. Yeah, try it out. Tell them we sent you. Those were kind of where I started and we haven't been open not even two years yet. Mm -hmm. So this all kind of changed quickly. So that was my numbers and my business plan. I had everything set of exactly what needed to make the bills, you know, and do everything. Not necessarily be super profitable, but, you know, mm -hmm. like, here's what we need to do. Here's how much each chair needs to bring in in order to have us equal. That's so kind of how we started. if I could, for the folks out there, what you did was you figured out what your break-even point break -even. was. Break-even point. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So, and if we do better than that, great, you know, and I looked at the numbers and I was like, well, this is like $300 a day. Like surely every hairstylist can make $300 a day. Right. So no problem. But as this year and a half has kind of gone on, I ended up, I don't know how, <laughs> but I ended up with this amazing team of super like crazy, aggressive they want the world hairstylists mm -hmm. and not like just one, but I've got a team of them. Yeah. Um, it didn't happen overnight by any means. It was kind of, you know, I had one girl doing great who referred a friend who was booth running and not liking it. And it just kind of evolved. The problem that I first saw was they have these huge goals and how do I get them there? So I guess not problem, just another goal for me, because that's my job now. My job is to mentor them and have them reach their goals. Yeah. You know, I sit down with each one of them and I'm like, what's your goals for this year? And we work it out. So my one stylist came to me and said, my goal is $1,000 a day. I want to be bringing in $1,000 a day. I said, okay, so let's break down how you're going to get there. And like we said before, I work with Oscar Valencia that's been on here is my salon business coach. I just started working with him probably about five months ago. Yeah. And he's helped me a lot with like the breakdowns of these numbers and, you know, how much does that mean per hour, you know, things like mm -hmm. that. So I go through that with each one of my stylists. But what I started figuring out was I could have all nine chairs filled and they could each be bringing in say $500 a day. And at the end of a month, they're working or at the end of the week, five, 
days a week, that's $22,500. Okay, that's great. But I've got girls wanting to be closer to $1,000 a day. And how am I going to do that? Mm -hmm. So I started looking at, well, what if I didn't fill all nine chairs? What if I have the six stylists I have and I hire three assistants? So I have an assistant for every two stylists. Mm -hmm. And with that, I'm like, they can easily do a $900 day with an assistant. Mm -hmm. So I broke that down and I'm like $900 a day, five days a week, that's $27,000. So I'm at a $4,500 advantage having mm -hmm. six stylists, then nine. Right. Yes, I have to pay for assistance and so that does come out, but with the hourly rate, I'm still ahead. Yep. But not only that, I have six really happy stylists that are taking home really nice paychecks. Mm -hmm. Because at $900 days, they're taking home $100,000 a year, just right. over. If you're an owner, as John just said, and you're kind of listening to this, I think one of the benefits going back to that traveling educator piece is you get to meet people that are doing things at a higher level than you may have heard of yet. Mm -hmm. And there's this you know, kind of ideology inside of the industry. And if you want to call it an industry standard or an average level of thinking, whatever you want to call it, that hitting a hundred thousand dollars in, in chair money and take yeah. in revenue and take in money is kind of the goal. And once you start to see out there and you meet more people like Lindsay and other, and other people out there, you go, Oh, no, we, we want to get to the take home piece. Right. And it's, and it's right. very few owners that, you know, you, I mean, you just said, and I'm paraphrasing now, like most owners don't really, really own what you just said, which is my job now is to mentor them and get to them to that point. Mm -hmm. Right. The other thing I love that you did, and, and I'm sure John, I'm assuming is tickled by it as well. Yeah. Um, is that you compared what is it going to look i'm just not going to fill all nine chairs right what's the difference between if i have six highly effective highly happy stylists mm -hmm. instead of i got to fill nine chairs where did that idea come from i mean because it's so well you had said like where it kind of started and came from and honestly it was from my one stylist saying i need to hit this number yeah and you know as an owner i'm like if i don't help you get there you're gonna go elsewhere Right. So yep. either I can lose you because, you know, of this or I can keep you and like, then let's get you there. Like, let me help you. Yep. And again, I feel like that's my job. So it's not like, oh, I can't do that. Uh, that's impossible. No, we're going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, so honestly, it's, you need an assistant. Yeah. Right. And it's like, but we're a commission salon. I can't get one person assistant and other people don't have the opportunity. And we only right. have so many chairs. I just knew that they'd all be really excited if I said to them, every one of you is going to get to work with an assistant. Every one of you is going to get to start bringing home paychecks twice as big as you're used to. Yeah. Tell me about how that has benefited the client experience. Yeah. I mean, at first I was kind of worried because I hadn't really worked with an assistant a lot. I always did everything on my own. And I was really afraid that the client would feel like they weren't getting 100% of the attention from their stylist that they're paying. Um, but as I quickly realized, that's not the case. And I have a couple girls on my staff that have been assistants for a long period of time under other stylists and really understood the aspect of how that worked. But keeping the salon small, mm -hmm. I think is giving, it allows us to give a super personal touch to everybody who comes in. Mm -hmm. You know, we all greet them. We all say hi. We all know their name. It's, it's not been quite two years. So, you know, sometimes I might not recognize everybody, but I really, I get to, as an owner, have a hands-on approach with every person who goes in, but it's so, the size, I think, keeps it very intimate. Mm -hmm. And I did know that from the beginning, even when I thought we were going to be a nine chair, nine stylist salon. I always knew I didn't want to expand bigger than that. I'd open mm -hmm. a second location if that was the case, but I didn't want bigger because I felt like you would lose that real personal touch and kind of family feeling that clients can you know, start to have with you the longer they're with you. Right. You know, and for those people, you know, like myself who like to do the math, right? If, mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that this is exactly your the case for you, um, but if your stylists are doing about $225,000 a year, which gets them a $100,000, you know, W-2, you know, mm -hmm. times six hairdressers, 
that's $1.3 million, yes. right? Yes. And there's a bunch of 20 style of salons who are struggling <laughs> to break the million dollar mark. You, yes. you know, I don't know if that's exactly your numbers, but it's, it's no. there, right? There's the opportunity with six stylists, yeah. you know, working full time to do $1.3 million. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm like, why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> small doesn't have to mean small dollars, right? No, yeah. no, not at all. So for our for our owners, for our managers who are out there going, man, you know what? I, I want to drive to Tallahassee so I can go <laughs> see what this looks like. Let's save them the road trip if we could, right? What do your assistants do? So what what are they responsible for? Um, so they're starting off. They go through you know some training, and I'm talking pretty short, yep. you know, um, training on proper shampoo condition, how to choose which, you know, products they don't ask us, what shampoo do you want every time? And, right. um, and then into blow drying and styling. So they start there. Mm -hmm. And when we feel like they really kind of have it down, they're meshing well with the clients. We always get it kind of like a month little trial, make sure, sure we've got the right fit. Um, from there, it's going to go into, you know, toning, Mm -hmm. um, maybe applying a shadow root if they're at that point, mm -hmm. kind of basically everything, helping apply some color if we need it. I mean, I still want my stylist to have a majority of, you know, the hands-on experience with them, mm -hmm. but our clientele, a lot of them don't get haircuts every time. Mm -hmm. Like, again, we have a, we've got a pretty good college base, um, with Florida state right down the street. So these girls, you know, might get a haircut once or twice a year, trim on the ends. Right. So for anyone who's not getting a cut with their color service, it's very easy for us to have the color applied, whatever type of technique you're doing, you know, balayage, whatever, maybe you need an hour. Mm -hmm. And from that point, the assistant can take them and right. you're moving on to the next person. So what mm -hmm. you used to need three and a half hours for, you might need an hour, hour, an hour. And 15 minutes yeah. and you're moving on. Mm -hmm. So that's how we try to utilize them for the back end, basically of the service. Do your assistants stay assistants? They eventually go on the floor? <laughs> What's that look like? So this is where people kind of you know, are like, wait, what? Because yeah. you don't have a chair for them. Right. So they are really there to learn. I think, you know, our feedback is a lot of these stylists aren't ready when they graduate school. They don't feel like they're ready and they know that. Mm -hmm. So it gives them an opportunity, you know, to come in and you're one-on-one -on -one assisting or one-on-two, I guess, assisting yeah. some really great stylists. So they're going to learn a ton they're able to attend any, you know, education or class that we have. And they're just there full time, absorbing everything and getting paid for it. And I'm going to assume that there are people out there who want that experience, right? That want to come in, that want to work for you. How, on average, and I know it's always different. How long does an assistant usually stay with you? We hope for a year. Okay, great. If so, I can get nine months, that'd be great. Yeah. But I think a year would give so, so much knowledge. I think it's if they it's the right person, they're going to realize what they're getting yeah. while they're there. Yeah. And you're only looking for three, right? And I'm speaking to owners now. And I'm also speaking to cosmetology school students or somebody really new to your career. Mm -hmm. From the owner's side, you're not every person has to be a fit for your company, right? No. You know, we're, we're super clear at Salon 124 group about the values of a person. And that, you know, if they don't have that value share, then you're probably not a fit. You could be a superstar. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if the values aren't there, that's our that's our kind of non-negotiable, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So the Lindsay's of the world, you don't have to hire just a warm body who walks through the door. You get to be very selective about who this person is. And if you're if you're the new person, the cosmetology school student, you know, take it, take it from an old guy that year will go by really fast like that, yeah. and spending that time with Lindsay or, and the, a team like Lindsay's team will give you a return on investment mm -hmm. in your career that you wouldn't be able to pay for when you can go, Hey, I'm going to train you and then go have your career. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's that abundance mentality in my mind. I think you said, you know, something where, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, we said, well, I don't really know how it happened. Um, <laughs> You know, what I'll say is this is, you know, that's how that's how a culture is created. Right. And if I can, you know, what you've done knowingly or not. Right. <laughs> is you've created a really amazing culture and a culture is a group of people who have the same expectations, who have the right. same values, who have a sense of 
you know, we're all going in the same direction and purposely or not, you've collected those people in a room and it's, you know, proven to be a powerhouse. Because here's the thing, the people that don't like that or don't want to be part of it or don't fit in that, they don't show up, right? right? They weed themselves out. And in the end, you get this powerhouse team of people. And I think for many salon owners who struggle with attracting talent, right, we make we make choices that we know we shouldn't make, but yeah. we do it anyways because we want the bodies in the room, right? Absolutely. And like Oscar kind of helped me with that too when we were talking because, um, you know, it's like if you're not a stylist that wants to work with the ethic and in a way that you're bringing home $900 a day or right. you're $900 a day, you're not going to work here. Like you're not going to fit in. It's not part of, like you said, our culture. Um, And that's a very special person, you know, who has Mm -hmm. that sort of work ethic and really wants to work that hard. But he like, he taught me, he's like, you can't hold on to people not in your culture. You Mm -hmm. can't be a parking lot. Right. Don't be a parking lot while they figure out what they want to do and what they Mm -hmm. want. One of my favorite old speakers, and we just had uh, Steve Gomez on, who yes. worked with Susie Fields back back in the back in the day? She used to say, "The speed of the leader is the speed of the gang," mm-hmm. and so you're 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 setting you know you're you're trailblazing that for them, giving them that opportunity. I have a question about a lot of owners when they start to come out from behind the chair, as you did, mm-hmm. don't know what the hell to be doing <laughs> while they're there. They, what do I do all day? Yeah, what. Yeah. So what, what are some of the things that you spend your time doing and talk about that transition? And yeah, I mean, every day it's been different. Again, working with a salon coach is amazing because I now have actually someone to answer to. Um, So every week I'm handing in spreadsheets to him and, you know, all of our numbers and things like that, which keeps me a little bit busy, but it also keeps my mind like with that goal in mind, you know, like, Mm -hmm. Here's here's where we are on Tuesday. We have to get to Friday by here. And I'm going to turn in these numbers. And now I have someone I have to answer to, which I think is important for an owner. Because once you reach the owner status, you're not answering to anybody. Mm -hmm. And so you can get away with anything, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, I should do this. Or I haven't really looked at my numbers this month. And I don't know if our inventory is, you know. So now with a, you know, salon coach, I have to do that every single week. Mm-hmm. So that keeps me on my toes and kind of keeps things going. Um, so that's one part of it as far as, you know, paperwork and numbers and figures and figuring out, you know, game plan for that. And then the other part is really being there just with my team. You know, I'm still there every single day. I'm probably there more now, mm-hmm. even though I did hair 10 hours a day behind the chair, I couldn't be there for them. I was just doing hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had Thursdays off. And so that Thursday off, I didn't come into the salon, you know, I had other stuff to do. Now I'm there every day. And again, I'm there in more of a supportive role. You know, I'm helping come up with a proper formula for someone or bouncing ideas off each other of what technique would be best to achieve this look. Today, earlier, I was helping paint the tip outs on a balayage, you know, Mm -hmm. while she was foiling. And um, I really kind of every aspect of getting my hands in it more with them. So I never really knew what was going on with them through the day. I was too occupied with my own clientele. Mm-hmm. So they had commented, I, I kind of knew it was time to make the change because they had commented on some Saturdays, I'd come in and be the receptionist for the day. Yeah. And they were like, we love this. Mm-hmm. Can you do this all the time? Mm-hmm. And I was like, actually, I can. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Actually, I can, which was, it was really hard to give up your clientele of 20 years. And luckily, I would say almost every single person decided to stick with the salon and go to one of my girls. So Mm -hmm. that was really special that my clientele was also supportive of my decision, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, to not be behind the chair and just to run the business. And, Mm -hmm. but I think it's been great. I mean, it's literally been since the first of the year. So I haven't, you know, gotten that Mm -hmm. far into it, but Mm -hmm. If you're watching your numbers, right? If you're checking your profit and loss statements, doing the financials, and you're doing a 10% profit margin, which isn't unreasonable, for the owner, that's $135,000 a year paycheck and not do hair, right? Right. Um, and even, you know, even if it's a 5%, you know, uh, bottom line, that's still over $70,000, almost $70,000 a year for a paycheck and not be behind the chair. So- yeah. 
you know, that's why, you know, figuring out what that break-even point is that we so, talked about in the beginning is so important, right? Yeah. If all of your clients transfer to other staff members, you know, and you're getting anywhere between five and 10% profit margin, that for the owner is a paycheck anywhere between 70 and $135,000 yeah. and not do hair, that don't stink. Right. No. Yeah. <laughs> and P.S. If you're a hairstylist and you just heard that, most owners aren't doing that. No. Right. Yeah. That's <laughs> don't start throwing stones at your owner if she wants to profit or he wants to profit yeah. because, you know, it's not a church. Well, I'll, yeah. I'll say that too. I don't think we'd meet those goals if I was behind the chair. Right. I think it takes the time and effort on the ownership and in working with my team to get them there. Yeah. Um, you know, in every aspect from social media to just being supportive and helping with a color correction and formulating it right. So it comes out correctly. just everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I think without having that time, I don't, I don't know if we'd meet these goals, you know? Right. Sure. I think it was um, a necessary step. Guys, I'm, I'm looking at the time and I must, I must pivot this conversation. This Not, is, you know what? This is the, I, this is Chris. He always just we're having a good time. Well, He's got to say, you know, I'm looking at the clock. It's almost it's, an hour. It's, well, it's, it's, first of all, this is such a great conversation. I mean, I'm, I don't want to make this pivot because I want to can sit, sit here and continue to pick your brain on this. Mm -hmm. But I also want to not leave out a really big portion, which if you're enjoying listening to Lindsay share, you're an educator that travels the country for masters and with masters of balayage. And while I know a lot of traveling stopped, this last year, um, uh, I, I could potentially have you in my salon if I was really interested in, you know, meeting you in person and, and mm -hmm. doing that. So I, yeah, all, I, I and we recently had Ryan on and, and John and I, you know, like I said, we, we both really enjoy, we, we enjoy talking to him. Right. Um, he's obviously growing a really cool brand also. And so at some point you made the hop from scruples brand into kind of this more independent education realm love to hear a little tweak about the story and if and if you'd mind plugging you you know your your education opportunity there we'd we'd love to hear it yeah um well i like i said i was educating with scruples um i had gotten to the point where i did make it on stage at premiere and got to do that multiple years um and then ryan came and did some promotions with our lightener and started using it with some of his videos and you know using the scruples clay lightener when the clay lighteners are first coming out and there was his amazing so he was working with that and through that he got to be really good friends with rob smith who's my regional manager who over eight years of educating together we became you know really best of friends so he you know met ryan through him working with scruples and they formed an instant friendship and so we kind of met through there. I got to meet Ryan. He's just an amazing person, an amazing educator, and he has so much energy. And he's just really a truly good person. So I really enjoyed meeting him. And, you know, I knew of Masters of Balayage and followed them on everything. And it was just a really, really amazing opportunity when he started the ambassador program. So I kind of, you know, had met him, knew him. He knew the things I did with scruples and had seen me so the ambassador program for Masters of Balayage came out and I was lucky enough to be accepted into that. So with the ambassador program, you assist the educators in the classes, um, basically anything that's needed and you learn a lot too. So I got to kind of get my feet wet with the ambassador program and eventually Ryan gave me the phone call and said, we'd love for you to be an educator. You know, we, we're ready. We want to move you up. And that was, I think I was just jumping up and down and silently. So he didn't know I was quite that excited. <laughs> and it was, it was amazing. And mm -hmm. I had already opened the salon at that time. So I had like, oh my gosh, it felt so good to go and tell my staff, like I made it, I did it, you know, mm -hmm. and I actually have two of them as mob ambassadors now too, that are working their way up at 22 and 24 years old. That's awesome. So working with mob is it is an amazing experience. Um, it's only been about a year and a half that I've been with them. And of course, almost a year of that has been, you know, not, not really going anywhere. Uh -huh. um, but I did get to do a few classes. And I think with a company like Mob, it's, I don't know, it's different in a way like they have, 
you know, the philosophy of not sharing any or not holding any secrets and letting you know everything that we know. Mm -hmm. So if we have a little trade secret and we figured this out, you're going to know it. We don't keep anything in. So it's very open. Um, I love everything they're doing with the online education now and the master's of balayage certification to be a balayage master. That's really, I think, been a great thing during during all this um, education wise. Um, I think it's just it's going to be huge. Yeah, it already is huge. And I think he's just going to keep going and going. And I can't wait to see, honestly, what he does with this company. It's, it's pretty mind blowing, really. Awesome. So are you guys back out there? Are we, are they scheduling classes again in salon yet? Or is that still? Not that I'm aware of. I don't know if they've started getting things scheduled. I know they were kind of shooting for April, hopefully, but I don't know how that's going of making it work yet. All right. Got yeah. it. So you can obviously keep contact on the website and we'll go ahead and throw a link below to Masters of Balayage down there as well. Yeah. There's definitely mm -hmm. good online education there. Yeah. And Lindsay, I know you're not a huge Instagram. I mean, you know, we mm -hmm. talk about this all the time. There's there's a difference between an influencer and somebody who's doing it in the salon every day and, you know, lifts their head up every now and then to take a picture. Yeah. Um, and I, I think you fall into that category, right? But I um, right. And and I and I, I think we've grown to as a we've matured as a industry to understand the difference between the two of those i think yeah. but um but for those of you who want to connect with Lindsay, how do we find you on social media and instagram and um so my social media instagram is bold and bronze <laughs> which is a little difficult um but most of my contact i honestly do is through my salon's instagram okay. which is luna salon tally um, all one word, obviously, but so I mostly focus on the salon's Instagram now that I'm obviously not doing here anymore. Um, but both are, both are available. I, I th this has been such a great conversation and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm so glad you just shared that again about the, you know, the masters of balayage piece. You have, there's a lot to you, you know, mm -hmm. owner, master hairstylist. I mean, you didn't, you know, you didn't get people to follow you in the direction you're going without earning the right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then the salon ownership piece. I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by what you're doing. I can't wait to kind of check in on the rest of the story. John, I know there's a ton I'm pulling away. I'm watching you light up across the screen, not just because you have a great light in front of you as well. I got a great light on me. Yep. <laughs> but because I know that you're... Uh, Makes me look good. Oh, you look good. You look good. <laughs> and I can tell you finally combed your hair, which is, you know, unique. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so what for those of you who don't know my hair is always always combed, combed. <laughs> <laughs> uh what have been your some of your favorite parts of this conversation you know we talk about this often about this is our this is a teaching podcast right or at least we pride ourselves and that's what we want to deliver we want to deliver information to our listeners so that they get some value from spending an hour with us. You know, it's interesting to see somebody, you know, like Lindsay say, you know what, I've done the booth rental thing. I think I want to open an employee-based salon, but not only do that, make it work. Not only do that, but provide the flexibility and the income that people who usually go to booth rental want, you know? So, you know, kudos to you, Lindsay. That's, that's really amazing. Uh, the other thing is you can have a salon with six chairs, nine chairs, six stylists, and still do over a million dollars in sales. And I think for those salons that are out there, they're a little bit smaller, trying to figure out their way through this pandemic, you know, how to grow, you know, not only for themselves as a company, but, you know, for themselves regarding their stylists. Um, I think that's awesome. You know, so there was so many great tidbits on on growth and opportunity and how to provide your team and your stylists with a lifestyle that, you know, fulfills them. Um, all of this was great. So thank you, Lindsay. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Lindsay, as we love to kind of wind our podcast down, we have everybody from cosmetology school students all the way up to twilight of their career and just still love education that listen, is there anything you feel like maybe we left on the table or just some last words you want to leave our listeners with? Um, not really left on the table. I feel like this was a great conversation. I loved 
everything. Um, so thank you for having me on here. Um, I was saying before, you know, I feel like I'm not Instagram famous. I'm not a guru in anything. I haven't quite made it yet, you know, to all the goals that I, you know, have for my salon, but I'm learning along the way. And I think that that's kind of the most important thing, you know, whether you're a stylist on your own or a salon owner is to keep learning about the industry and changes in it. I highly recommend a salon coach. Maybe I'll do that one day when I'm older <laughs> and officially retired because now I'm enjoying learning everything that the coaches are teaching me. But, you know, I think that's been a huge aspect of being able to grow and just bounce ideas off of somebody. So I highly, you know, really feel strongly about that is really one of the best decisions I've made. And then, you know, to take every opportunity, because like I said, starting with a smaller hair color company, if I wouldn't have started small, I don't think I would have gotten to where I've been able to, you know, today and the opportunities in just every aspect, you know, I wouldn't have met Chris, you know, if I didn't take an hour and a half to be in a Zoom meeting, you know, that honestly, I'd kind of forgotten about and was reminded about. I'm like, oh my gosh, I better get on. But it's like, you never know what's going to come from each person you meet and every opportunity. So just take, take full advantage of it. You know, it's really kind of, I think where my mind goes when talking about all of this. That's beautiful. Every time we have one of these conversations, I walk away with a little bit more than I knew before I came in. And I love that about these podcasts. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, we also walk away with a lot of gratitude to our listeners. You know, we, we, we're watching those listens go up. There, we, we hate to ask, but we know there's a few things we need to ask for. I don't hate asking. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Hey, for those of you who haven't heard me ask before, five-star reviews. You got the phone in your hand, it's down by your lap. I don't care where it is, but it's not that far away from you. Five-star reviews. You know you want to do it. You know you love this podcast. Share it with the world because every time you create a five-star review, an angel gets gets his wings. (laughs) Did you know that? Yeah. And while that angel is getting his wings, it helps us move up. Um, You know, it helps us get more noticed in the podcast world. Helps share the message. And if you're really being served by this, which we hope you are, um, you know, we'd love for you to share that with some other salon owners. The other thing we're going to ask you to do is to follow us on Instagram at 124.go as well as Facebook. We're going to get more active on our Facebook page. And so if you're a Facebooker, then uh, follow us on Facebook at 124.go. And um, if you're a grammar, please tag us in your stories and we'll do the same uh, in ours. So thanks again for listening, everybody. We will see you on the next episode. Bye.